Welcome to the Creative College Journey Podcast, the place to help raise awareness on the many pathways to a creative life and education and how college might be a part of it. Because it's not where you go to school, but how you go to school that counts. Hosted by professional creative and college expert, Scott Barnhart, who is chatting with a variety of guests who have some amazing lived experiences from different universities, majors, and creative industry interests. And we hope by hearing their stories, it might help give you some inspiration to find your own creative college journey. I am thrilled to welcome my next guest today. This is someone I've known a few years through the work of my husband, voiceover actor J.P. Karliak. And what I've learned is voiceover is a fascinating world in this industry. It is filled with actors who are incredibly nuanced, wide ranging, and these like crazy technical performances. And my next guest, Grace Liu, is no exception to that. Grace Liu is a graduate of Miracosta High School in Manhattan Beach, California, and is currently a rising sophomore at UCLA. Go Bruins! Studying psychology. And while a full-time student, Grace has also been navigating a robust and full professional life in both on-camera and voiceover capacities here in Los Angeles. Grace is currently a recurring role, the role of Megan, in Bunked on Disney Channel, and it was recently announced that Grace is the voice of Shining Glitter Cookie on the video game Cookie Run Kingdom. What a name, Shining Glitter Cookie. Magic. Grace can also be heard on Transformers, Earth Spark, Madagascar, A Little Wild, and Legends of Runeterra. On screen, Grace has been seen in Sydney to the Max, Side Hustle, and thrilling to my musical theater nerddom, Grace can be seen in the You Will Be Found montage in the film Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> Come on. And there's also a few video game and animation projects in the works that Grace is super excited about and can't wait to share, like some incredible opportunities coming forward. Keep an eye out for this name, you guys. And Grace has always loved anything artistic and can be found drawing, creative writing, mostly poetry, songwriting, and singing or jamming out with Grace's brother. What's your brother's name? Nathan. Nathan. Rock on, Nathan. Learning about (laughs) environmental issues and scientific discoveries are also super important to Grace, and advocating for more diverse and inclusive education is also a big, big passion. I am so impressed with a young professional actor like Grace, who continually balances the many pressures of a full-tilt adult professional work life with the developmental and exploratory experiences of college, showing us all there is no one way to approach a life as a student and an actor. With that, please welcome to the podcast, Grace Liu. Hi, Grace. Hi, Scott. I'm so excited (laughs) to chat with you and see you. You are just a ball of delight. I'm obsessed with you. This is so exciting for me. Um, so give us a little update. How are you doing? Where are you right now? I know it's summer. You just finished your first year at UCLA. Like, how are you actually right now? You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I think the, the stresses of everything that's compounding right now, society wise, the strikes, they're a little bit insane. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty in our industry. And I'm sure coming straight off of a, you know, one year of really intense work, both as an actor and student, it's a lot. Yeah. It's um, it's a lot to catch up from. <laughs> are you finding that you're able to catch up right now? Like, are you are you finding moments to like, breathe and, and chill out and, and be an 18, 19 year old? You know, that is a very good question. <laughs> I feel like now that I'm off of school, I'm diving more headfirst into my career again and trying to prep for when I go back to school. So it's kind of the grind never stops. It's a vicious cycle. It's it a vicious is. cycle. And it's a, a learned, learned skill that I hope, I hope throughout the rest of the summer and being on the UC system, yes. you start a little bit later. Um, I hope like in this August, September moment, you might be able to get a little a little downtime for you. In. Yeah, a little breathing. <laughs> I also ask everyone, how do you identify creatively? Like, what what creativity do you put out into the world, Grace? 
I feel like I would describe what I what I like aspire to do at least as just like broadly being like a storyteller because there's so many ways to do it and so many avenues that I love to explore it in whether it's like drawing or writing or just like singing like so many there's musical theater oh my gosh like you can do so many things with the the medium of just story it's beautiful I'm sorry I'm like Oh, nerd out. Nerd out about storytelling all day, every day, Grace. I love it. I could do it for the rest of my life. I could watch it, read it, listen to it. Oof. Storyteller, Grace Lou. Oh, my, there's your website. There, there it is. Is that too cheesy? No, it's perfect. And I love it. I, I can't wait to chat a little more about how you apply that to the many facets of your life and your, your studies. Because I think it's actually a really great connector with the many things that you do. Let's send a little love about UCLA. Um, I graduated there in 2017 where I got my master's in playwriting in the School of uh, Theater, Film, and Television, TFT. But you're actually there, despite being a professional actor, you're there in the Department of Psychology. You're getting your bachelor's in psych. So I'm so curious, like, what are you studying in psych? What drew you to psych? And how do you apply storytelling to that major? Truth be told, I don't think I was considering psych until very, very late in my application process. Oh, wow. Cool. I'd never taken a psych class before. <laughs> but like thinking back on it now, I'm I'm so glad that I did because it's like this perfect intersection of my true interest. Ah. I, I'm a little devious mastermind a little curious <laughs> i'm just so fascinated by the world and its intricacies and i guess like just learning about everything i'm like always asking why why this like science is so interesting because it has like that the scientific thought of just continuously asking deeper questions yeah and so like i find people so fascinating and I just, I love like getting in people's heads. This sounds terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is the most actory statement ever of like, I because right, it's the job where we what? step into people's shoes and into their heads and their thoughts. It totally makes sense. It's so magical. And like, just understanding why we do what we do. Just the, the best thing possible. Oh. Now, like to that, and I mean, UCLA is an incredible institution. I, I'm curious, because you're a current working actor on camera and in voiceover, did your decision to choose psychology have to do with those career needs? Are you finding more flexibility in a program like psych than maybe you would have elsewhere or or did you really just choose psych because you were just more interested in doing that rather than more acting classes? I I think without knowing it, when I was applying, I applied to all the UCs and some local Cal States. Yeah. And I really didn't, I everyone was always asking, like, what is your dream school? And I never really had one because at the same time, like, I always assumed I would go to college for science. Because my parents both got science degrees. And so when acting came into my life, it really disrupted everything. But I still knew I wanted to go to college. So I, having just applying, I like had no expectations. And UCLA, in the back of my mind, was probably like my top choice. Yeah. And I just knew that if I were to go to college for acting, there's a chance that I might burn out of it. Because mm. I know that especially I, I got my agent in fall of 2019. So right before the pandemic and juggling like AP classes in like early 2020 with like suddenly all these self tapes. It was, I was close to giving up on both ends. Yeah. It's a lot. And so I was kind of scared that that would happen if I jumping into college, it's a little bit, you, you don't know what to expect. And now that you're on the other side of it, are you, do you feel like you made the right call? 
I mean, I'm seeing you lit up about it. So it feels like you made a great call. (laughs) Well, I haven't, I haven't actually taken, I've only taken one psych class. Let's be honest. The rest are my other pre Yeah. But it's, it's wonderful because I, I love like a very, like jack of all trades esque education, just like pulling from all these different places. But psychology is a program. It is a relatively short major, which mm. allows me for a lot more flexibility when it comes to anticipating in the future. If I need to like take a quarter off or lighten my load, I can. And I don't yeah. have to take four classes or five classes every single quarter to graduate on time. Cause juggling that with acting would maybe drive me crazy. Yeah. Well, and it is one of those things. It's, it's sort of counterintuitive. People assume like, Oh, a theater majors, certainly they're going to understand if I have to leave for a few weeks to shoot something. But in fact, like many theater programs are very prescriptive and very intensive because they're focusing on your training, not on your extracurricular life or your, you know, even professional life. So it can gum up the works on their end Mm -hmm. if people are missing too much because it doesn't coincide with the training. But I it does Absolutely. make sense that there would you would feel a little more flexibility. I'm sure a lot more academic work, a lot more reading, a lot more self-initiated academic life. But if you're on top of it, then it gives you a little more bandwidth for self-tapes. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So take us back to junior year, Grace. Is that pandemic, Grace? Junior year is pandemic, Grace. Sorry, we have to go back to pandemic, Grace, but we're going to. And and this is into your senior year as well. I'm really curious about like what your mindset was about approaching this process, applying to colleges. What were some of your goals? Were you thinking about any other majors? What helped you sort of zero in on this idea of only Cal States and UCs and even only staying in California? Like, was there a real concerted effort that you wanted to stay either closer to home or on this coast. We'll be right back. Hey, are you the proud parent of a high school junior or sophomore who is also an aspiring artist or creative? Do you worry that maybe your child's artistic passion might hinder their chances at getting into a dream college? Look no further than the Creative College Journey. This is a service designed to help guide your child through the college application process. We understand the unique challenges that come with being an artistic applicant, and we are dedicated to ensuring that your child's application stands out from the rest. From portfolio review to essay editing and understanding the ins and outs of pre-screens, we offer a range of personalized services to suit your child's needs. Now, don't let the college application process overwhelm you and your child. Feel free to sign up for the Creative College journey today and take the first steps towards a successful artistic future. Visit our website, www.creativecollegejourney.com to learn more and start your journey today. Absolutely. I I think because acting was like such a wild card in my life, And then I knew that now I'm kind of, kind of love it. I wanted to make sure that I I kept that with me and even like keeping the momentum in some ways, but, but mostly like staying close so that I could continue to, to do the thing that is like lighting me up. And also in-state was such a huge, like a very easy decision for me, but like the main factor, of course, because I mean, out-of-state tuition, this gets crazy. And the the Cal States and UCs especially, so much less expensive than than a private school would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's as good a reason as any in my book, because they're also just world-class institutions of learning. Like, they really are. And while UCLA isn't cheap by any stretch of the imagination, the, I mean, what you get for the dollar in comparison to a lot of other elite private schools. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's, 
it's pennies on the dollar. Really, it's so worth it. That's really interesting, and I can I can brag on you. Like you really were, and continue to. You're finding traction in your career, so it makes sense that the idea of just like hightailing for four four years to Iowa, you know, no matter how great Grinnell is, maybe not. Maybe that wasn't going to be the best, most optimum choice for you. So sticking around in California that that that's very very wise. And it scared me. I'm going to be honest. I think I I did consider it. Yeah. I was like, it would be very cool to go to U of M, but I don't think I could. I could handle it. I have I do I have like an intense FOMO <laughs> in in other places of my life. Yeah, but it does apply to acting. Like definitely the what could have happened, all of those things. I just didn't want to. I wanted to keep all my options open and staying in California allowed me to do. That is such useful advice of like knowing what it is you need. I'm curious, like as you went through the application process, what were your support systems? Like who did you lean on? Who kind of helped you or was it all kind of on you? Like how did you walk through that process? I had an incredible resource in my father. (laughs) He Yes, Dad. One thing about Dad is that he will research and prep like it is doomsday. It is nobody's business. And that is kind of passed down to me. If I find something, I will research it to the end of time. We're going yeah. down the rabbit hole. Yeah. No no stone unturned. Absolutely not. I actually love parents who help on the research front. That is really, really useful. And what did sort of dad discover about the UC Cal State option? Definitely. Finance was a big part of it, but also their education and a big part of the application process was me just like writing my uh, UCPIQs. And he, through his diligent research on the internet, found a very, um, found a very sweet, uh, like college counselor, I guess, yep. um, who would help like mentor me through the process. Um, and I, I did utilize her on the occasion. I- <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, it's essentially what, what I do. It's like an independent educational consultant, someone. Totally. And you can hire people out in different sort of capacities, either sort of a la carte just for like general support or people who walk you through the entire process. And what I realized is that like I, I needed some some of like that gentle guidance. I yeah. I was like working on my essays by myself and then would come and like review them with her and that kind of stuff. Do you remember like any advice that your IEC kind of gave you? Or like I always say it's like most students will write a fine to good answer on something. And then with just a little bit of coaching or a little idea shift or a frame shift it can go from good to great. Like, did you move from any good to great because of advice from from your IEC? I struggle with word count. I love words so much. So most of most of our meetings were <laughs> helping me slim down. Edit, edit, edit. Just like three thousand words for a two hundred word absolute PIQ. Could yeah. have been worse than that, probably. <laughs> Just a full novella, fan fiction, ready to go. So I love that you had a little bit of support to to guide you through that. Totally. Um, and then I'm I'm always sort of interested in this first year. I know you've only taken one psych class, but are there any classes that like lit you up or things on campus that you really really enjoyed? Like, what are the things that you're like? I can't believe I get to go here. I have taken a few very cool. GEs and oh my gosh, I never thought of myself as like a a biology nerd, but like taking bio and looking at like evolution through the lens of behavior and like altruism is so interesting. Oh, what a teaser. I do want to take that class. Biology and altruism? Yes, please. And how like being good to each other is a way to Kind of build a better society. 
This isn't a biology class. I think I'm, I think I might be putting words in my professor's mouth, but it was a lot of like. But that life was your lessons. takeaway, yeah. His main takeaway was like, get gifts for your friends, have unprompted kindness. It might be there to benefit you, but it's also just a good thing. That sounds incredible. Um. Okay, let's get into it. How the heck are you a professional actor and a college student at the same time? How the heck are you? And I, and I know enough about your career that I know how busy you are. There are weeks you're filming, you know, bunked. Uh, and I'm presuming a bunked episode shoots for an entire week. Yeah. Yeah. Monday to Friday. Uh, you've got two full-time jobs plus being a full-time student. How are you handling time management? And then with that, how are you getting the auditions done? Because the auditioning for these jobs is its own really tough piece of the puzzle where you need a quiet space to record. You need a blank wall to film. You need the time with the sides. Like, how are you getting all of this done? And what's falling through the cracks along the way? Auditioning really is its own beast. Yeah. It's um, me and time management, we're, we're fighting a little battle. Sometimes it wins. Sometimes I win. Most of the times I do not win. I was going to say, if you're winning any of them, that's actually pretty huge. It's definitely something that I've struggled with. Sure. And has slowly, very slowly started to improve. And how is it improving? Like, uh, have you just found efficient ways to do it? Like, let's take you're shooting for a week on Bunked. Are you out of class Monday through Friday? Miraculously, I actually haven't had to do that yet. Oh, wow. There was, I was like on hold for two episodes. And then somehow it was shooting during my spring break. Wow. So there was one week where I just, we, we also switched to like a Wednesday to Tuesday schedule. So I did have to miss like the first two days of class. Yeah. But- it was somehow. So that piece has not actually been a huge struggle. I'm. We're going to find out next year. <laughs> <laughs> and then with the voiceover work, how are you navigating that? And where are you recording? And I know you have a great setup at home. Like, are you going back and forth or are you recording in your dorm? Like, how are you making that happen? I've been going back and forth sometimes. Fall quarter especially um, was the busiest. It it went up to maybe one to three times a week driving We're back from UCLA to Manhattan Beach to to home and then going from home after I record. Sometimes working on homework there or literally in the car working on things, and then being back at home multiple times a week. That's wild commitment. That is really difficult. Do you feel like it's, I mean, I know it's certainly positively affected your career life and your life in general, the the ability to do these jobs. But do you think it's had any positive or negative effect on your college experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it did make fall quarter incredibly isolated. I was like attempting to branch out, you know, get my little social life started, but having to commute a few times a week and not knowing when I would be back and also having so much school to juggle, making sure that like deadlines were, I was hitting them and not missing anything because I don't want anything to slip through the cracks. But what ended up happening is it was my, my social life. So everything was work and schoolwork. Pretty, Pretty much. much. I was prioritizing sleep and school and work and friends just couldn't make it in there. And I think that's important for people to think about, like, because I do think it's a necessary sacrifice on, on some level. And we'll talk about how it's improving as well. But you know, doing things means doing things and going to UCLA. And 
being a professional actor are two big full things. So prioritizing sleep and self-care amidst that is it makes sense. And I think for anyone who's sort of toying with the idea of pursuing professional work while going to school has to at least flag the opportunity or the possibility that it may be a, a, a slightly less social experience, which I think people sort of think is quintessential to college. Yeah. Now, with that, I and I know it has, like, how has that improved since fall quarter? And have you been able to strike any more of a balance between a social life and and your professional life? Well, I hate to say this because I love love working, but the strike did have some positive effects on my college experience socially. Oh, this is so interesting. Of course, the the strike has actually muted some auditions and work potential, yeah? yeah? My my spring quarter, which was I think starting and end of March ish. Yeah. Um, that was when the WGA went on strike. Yeah. And everything really slowed down. I was still getting a lot of like VO auditions, the very occasional self tape, but it meant I had so much more time to just be a little bit more like a, a human being, like like an 18, 19 year old going to college. Yeah. And that is the original reason why I wanted to go to college, just to become a more full person. Because when you, it's like, to to get a little tangential in a way, I feel like with the pandemic especially, a lot of people my age are kind of socially starved. And we yeah. haven't had like stunted social development. And so I felt like I there was the possibility of not going to school. But I really wanted that space to just become more myself and live some of these experiences that sometimes can only there's like an, an air at college where <laughs> you just become more you grow up with other people around you. I feel like that was so essential in my decision to go to college and wanting to stay at college and prioritize my social life because being a creative person, you kind of need to take, you need to be a human. You need to have these human yeah. experiences to funnel them into the work and the craft because that is what being like an actor is. It's, it's living all these different lives and you can only do that if you live your own and prioritize your well-being socially, mentally, as a person first. Talk about making lemonade out of lemons. Because we can acknowledge the the strike is is a a serious experience right now in the industry and, and totally. the stakes are high. But I, I think we can never also separate the personal journey of an artist amidst all these things. I, I'm so heartened to hear like Oh, you're you're finding your new balance with with both. I'm really excited for you to then, as more on camera opportunities happen, to navigate balancing your new social life so that totally. both can coexist. It's like a little bit of a, a test run in in the, the two ends of a spectrum that I'm toying with and trying to find that balance, which I'll see how that happens next year. It's such an interesting point of view. And I think this is this is going to be so, so beneficial. So I do want to ask you one other question. And it's a little mischievous, this question. When I'm working with clients who are considering schools, especially if they're really narrow-minded or um, one track, like I want to introduce an agent of chaos. If we took UCLA off the table, and in fact, we took all the UCs and Cal States off the table, and we took psych and acting, off the table, what would you study? And is there a school you would study, a, an area in the country or in the world? And what would that major be? I don't know if I if I have a, a college specifically. Fair. But, oh no, this is hard. I feel like so many of my interests are, I wish I could like do a little dip in every single one of these subjects. But I would love to, I don't know, maybe explore a more science-heavy STEM major. 
potentially like a, like a earth and planetary sciences major or like, I mean, astrophysics has always like been so miraculous. Like I, I don't know. Just <laughs> I love, I love that. And this is why I love these questions. Cause it's so interesting to be like, oh my gosh, STEM is what you would go after. I would cry all day, every day. No, I'm, I'm hearing myself back and I would absolutely hate to do physics for the rest of my life. Oh, fair. But <laughs> astrophysics, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Like, a little, like a little intro course in like all the different areas of science. Oh my gosh. Science nerd for the win. I, I love that. <laughs> or environmental science. Yeah. So applicable. Very applicable. And I actually think people underestimate the storytelling capabilities within science because I actually think it's the data and the story of our world and our like it is it's amazing material for storytelling. Mixing like anthropology with science just feels like such a cool area to like look into. Ooh, maybe that's it. That's so interesting. We talk with a lot of students. I know you you didn't necessarily deal with like huge amounts of rejections on your college applications, but you're a professional actor. So you know a thing or two about rejection. How do you handle that rejection when you get no's or you get close to gigs and you're pinned and then like go? Like, can you talk us through how you sort of process rejection? Because I think it's a big piece for a lot of applicants to sort of think about as they're moving into this process. I think the beauty of having done so many auditions during the pandemic, uh, lockdown especially, is that when I when an audition did come in, I would go into my little booth and it was like a sandbox moment. It was like I could create anything I wanted right now and this is the job. It's like that getting myself in that space where I can kind of just be free. Like that that is the magical part about it. And and sometimes there have definitely been those times when I'm excited about something and I get to like a producer session or like I am, I'm so stoked about a callback and I think it goes well. And then radio silence. There are times it's a lot of me like wondering, well, I will I ever hear anything back? Was it something I could have changed? Was it something I could have, if I had gotten a note, could I have adjusted? If they had just told me what they wanted, could I have been? But I, after some time passes, I like flip that on itself. And I guess it's like, if I wasn't what they wanted, I couldn't have made myself into what they wanted. Even though I think of myself as, not like I'm, I think I'm a pretty good actor. I think, I think I'm <laughs> I will second that. I will second that. You're a <laughs> phenomenal actor. Oh, but it's, it's not about the acting. Yeah. It's actually about that essence piece. And like, maybe it wasn't your gig. And I love my essence. Some there, you know, there are days I'm like, oh, my essence. <laughs> but I think I do. We all have unique essences. And that is the beauty of being human. We are all so magical just by virtue of existing. Like yeah. there is some inequality within us that makes us different. And that's kind of what they're looking for. And if they don't, they're not looking for my unique essence, then that's okay. Somebody else is out there and I will find that eventually. It might, it might take some time, but when it does happen, I know that it was because of me that yeah. I got the job. How do you, how did you learn this so young? I'm, I'm gobsmacked. This is, I mean, because that is to, in my humble point of view, like, it is that mindset that can actually make the ups and downs of the industry palatable and sustainable. Like truly is digging your own essence, digging, digging what you bring to the table. And I even love that you asked you or you said like, did I do a good job? Odds are yes. And that's, they weren't judging the hiring of the job based on if you did a good job or not. They were judging it more on, are you the match for this role? What they need. Yeah. You don't get control over that. So yeah. good on you for like wrapping your head around some of that. 
at this young of an age. That's I mean, huge. I do have to say, I know these lessons and sometimes I willfully <laughs> choose to ignore them. Yes. Welcome <laughs> to the club. Definitely. It's, it's still a lesson I will learn till the end of time. I fight for control sometimes or oftentimes, most times, all the yeah. time. I fight yeah. for control all of the time and it's impossible to get it. And yep. I think that is something you can, that bleeds into all areas of your life. College, especially when you're applying, you don't really know what the outcome is going to be. You just have to trust that what you're bringing is enough. Yeah. Yep. I also ask everyone else this question um, because I think it's really important. College is an investment um, and everyone doesn't come to the investment on the same playing field. So. I, I ask people to talk about finances. I'm curious about how people approach it. And I frame it through the idea of, do you think you overspent, underspent, or got it just right? Let us know, like, how did you walk through scholarships, uh, funding? Like, how are you walking through that part of the college experience? Do you think I got it just right? Not, not, not to toot my own horn. I mean, I think UCLA is a pretty good school. It's pretty awesome. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Public school was the perfect, perfect option. I know that, like, UCLA is definitely not like a very cheap school, but yeah, when when looking at the like EFC calculator, I knew right away that with my dad's income and my income and all the money that I saved doing that. I wouldn't actually qualify for any financial aid. So yeah. private school was off the table at that point. And I I'm so, I feel so lucky that my first generation immigrant father um, wanted to give back and saved up enough money to pay for me to go to college fully. Yeah. Um, because he knew that like, if I were to take out student loans, if I were to go get into student debt it it does limit you it, it creates like a weight on top of you if you graduate with student debt that kind of limits your financial mobility and opportunities and that kind of gift of like getting to leave school debt free with the money that i've saved up <laughs> holler yes we celebrate that i i do a happy dance every time i hear i'm walking away from school debt free However, that's happening. That is such a gift. It's really beautiful. And I feel so lucky. On top of the fact that you're, I think that's also another benefit to discussing because you're actively working and you're earning union wages on, on jobs. And it's another way to sort of consider walking through a college experience with a professional mindset is if you're playing it correctly, and that could be from an entrepreneurial point of view or like as an actor, like that can also pay for college. Like that is that is a a path. But I'm absolutely I'm thrilled about this this journey for you. I honestly wanted to pay for college myself. But dad was like, absolutely not. He was like, slow down, I got you. That's beautiful. Well, we talk about a lot with clients, and this is a little off topic, but you know, if a parent is spending a dime on your college experience, one, they're not legally obligated to. They don't have to. You're you're grown. It's a gift. And it's it's to be met with extreme gratitude. And I think I've seen a lot of students sort of just presume it's expected. And it it's it can be really, really tricky. Definitely. My I feel like growing up I really understood the value of money. I know my mom, when we were all talking about college and like the way that you idealize it <laughs> as a young kid, like she paid for college. She worked full time to pay for college. And I think that kind of mindset, like as a single parent wanting to give back to your children for all of like the lessons that you've learned and what you have, the life you've created for yourself. It's very, it's a very immigrant mentality, definitely, but it's, sure. it's so, it's so sweet. Well, it's, it's coming from that yeah. space of love. It's coming from 
giving to the next generation to continue to thrive. And what what a what a joyous gift to to receive that. I am very lucky. I'm sort of curious, psych major or not, do you have a preference to doing VO work versus on camera work? Like, I mean, I love that you've navigated both. How have you how have you figured out both? Like, because you really have in a lot of ways. Like, do you do you use the same techniques? Do you use the same um, coaches and support? Like, how how have you navigated both? And do you have a preference? I mean, I was going to say growing up doing VO. I I guess that's having started in voiceover. Yes, I am. Say a little bit more comfortable. It comes slightly more naturally. Hmm. I sometimes I get on set and I don't know how to move my body. I'm like a little puppet. <laughs> I'm so stiff up there. I've like rewatched the footage. I'm like, ah, they were disconnected. I was so I was trying to All of Grace was not in the building. <laughs> the mouth was there. The yep. vo- the words were coming out. The brain was working. Shoulders down, nothing. Uh-uh. <laughs> but it, it is like different. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. I feel like because doing voiceover, you kind of create the entire world around, like from scratch, basically. So there's a lot more up to you. It it puts more pressure on you, but there's also a lot of creative freedom. Whereas on camera, you kind of got to like fit in with what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Hit your mark. Turn on this line. Move your body well. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> move it naturally. Just walk. Walk like a human. Yeah. Whereas you don't have to walk like a human in the the voiceover booth. You can be full tilt. I mean, whatever. Yeah. The worst posture you've ever seen. <laughs> That's essentially what. That's the joy of VO is having yeah. the worst posture. That's hilarious. And like as a young actor, what are those resources that you've turned to? Because I, I have got people who ask all the time. I, I think a lot of people presume if you want to be an actor, then you need to get a degree in acting. And it's. They're they're separate skills. You know, selling your wares as a professional actor is a totally different thing than becoming a strong actor in a collegiate program. So, like, where have you learned the trade as and I know you've learned a lot of the trade on the job, but where and how have you learned this? Well, um, to to attribute everything back to my father <laughs> and his research skills. Yeah. I found my first acting coach who has slowly become an incredible mentor in my life through Yelp. Come on. <laughs> Yelp. Yelp coming Yelp. through. Yeah. Somehow it worked out that from from Yelp, I got an entire support system of strong women who have slowly taught me the business and from them i have met equally strong very incredible mentors like your partner (laughs) (laughs) shout out jp (laughs) and slowly just i think as i've gotten older um and i'm like exploring new things within the industry i've been expanding my my little village one person (laughs) at a time and even within like the last two weeks, being out on the pit lines, I went with my my lovely acting aunties, as they like to call themselves. <laughs> I went with them to the first day of SAG WGA striking on Friday, and so many people who have industry experience and were relaying to me the past 30 years of their lives. Like getting to just getting to listen and learn from people who have done it and are actively doing it has been so exciting because there are, there are definitely things I would not be able to get if I was just in a collegiate program. Yeah. Working on my craft, but kind of in like an insular space. And I think it feels like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong feels like you're someone who does really well with one-on-one like maybe you're not studying every day but taking 
an hour with a coach. That seems to be a way that's really worked for you. Every single time I audition and like coach on something, in some ways, I've gotten more and more confident over the years because it's like I'm honing my instincts. And yeah. that's kind of like carrying me through. Like sometimes I will coach on something with JP and he's like, no notes. What, are, what am I here for? <laughs> it is like that not necessarily like validation but like the security and like no you just just calm down and let go because you you are bringing what you know even yeah. if you're not consciously even if you are anxious and that's masking everything that's happening right now yeah. it is there underneath it the things that you've learned over time yeah and i and i will say i think that kind of work and that kind of trust, I think it is easier built on a one-on-one -on -one situation rather than a, necessarily a class setting. Again, I love both. I love all schooling, learning environments. Like I love a 200-person lecture hall. I love a one-on-one -on -one coaching. I think they're all really, really beneficial. But from the industry point of view, I do actually think part of the secret to your success has been a really diligent understanding of the one-on-one -on -one coachings have really helped build your confidence, build that permission to follow your instincts. And I've also watched 100%. the the amount of coaching that you quote unquote need diminish as you're walking through this. And I think that's that's the goal, right? The goal isn't to have someone else's voice in your ear for all of your career. It's to start to trust that you have your own instincts. But I do think that requires a little bit of support to get there. A hundred percent. I absolutely love academic environments. <laughs> if I could be in one of them, I would. And maybe that's saying something. But there's definitely like a little less pressure, I would say. Yeah. I think I I loved being in drama class so, so much. Like the, the environment that it creates of just like people coming together to collaborate and just try things out. It, it is sometimes though, like I, there is like that fear of how you are perceived and of failing that yeah. I think I can support myself a little better when it is in that one on one environment. And that, that is a thing I'm working on. You. Yeah. Yes, it is a beautiful thing to be able to support yourself in a room of people. Yeah. But it definitely, I, I would say you're correct. Has, we can attribute some of my success to that. <laughs> I think that's also in this new era of education where we're really understanding the fact that not everyone learns the same way. We don't get support in the same way. So really personalizing that support and those strategies that are going to benefit you in in pursuit of your goals. There are so many kids that get left behind in pursuit of the arts or different interests because like educators might not have the capacity to teach everybody in the way that is best for them, which hopefully changes. And, you know, taking agency, like I, I, I love when I see students take agency for their own path and find that support that they need. When you hit a dead end and listen, that dead end can happen in a lot of different places um, and a lot of really tricky teachers and institutions absolutely when you bump into that dead dead end don't allow it to be a dead end but to but to work to find support for those you know uh be it learning differences be it um special services needs like whatever it may be seeking them out because i i've i've seen the transformative impact when curriculum delivered appropriately to a student who needs it, it's it is absolutely transformative. It is so hard to ask for help, and and like hitting that dead end, it can it can be a little bit comforting sometimes to have that wall there to like lean against as 
like a barrier. Like I, I can't do this. Therefore, it's okay if I like stop trying. Mm. Or it's it's easier to see this for what it is than to try and look elsewhere because sometimes the odds really are stacked against you. And fully acknowledging like that is also a that is also a conversation of privilege and a conversation that not everyone comes oh, to this from the same playing field. But we don't all have the same resources. No, no. Um, but I, 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 I do. I applaud when I see people work within the resources that are there. Because what I do know is that it's never, it never has to be a complete no. It never has to be a complete zero. And I'm always curious about how to work within those margins. How can you wiggle within those margins? <laughs> uh, it's, it's really I cool. Love that. So you're an actor, you're a scientist, you're a psych major. I'm curious, like looking down the road five, 10, 20 years from now, do you have any sort of sense of, where and how this degree and maybe the experience at UCLA, as well as your acting career, like what industry pathways you see for yourself in the future? Hmm. I, I kind of want to just try everything. There's, there's That's like a great answer. It's a great answer. All of it. All of it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not a master's or a PhD. Cause I know with, with with the degree in psychology, sometimes it's a little bit, if I wanted to go into that field, I probably would need my master's at least or my doctorate. Yeah. But I don't know, getting to kind of take what I've learned and apply it to my craft while also looking outward, try a little bit of screenwriting, playwriting, directing, who knows? Going back to that storytelling. I'm trying to do it every way possible. Yeah. Well, and again, I love the idea of like using what you learned in psych less to necessarily pursue a clinical career, but to apply it to character development or world developments. That's pretty cool. Ah, uh, all right. All right. I see you, storyteller. <laughs> Is that my nickname? Now? Yeah, the storyteller. Love it. That's a good one. You should use that for like a and d campaign. Ooh, oh, do you play D&D? Oh. Of course you do. You open the floodgates, sir. <laughs> what, are, what are the, if you roll a 20, what is the special power of the storyteller? I mean, I feel like a storyteller can really do anything. That, that, that would be, that'd be, you can be any kind of storyteller you want. Yeah. Oh, I'm obsessed <laughs> with like, you must have are you a um are you a dm at all like when you play D? &D? i'm a i'm a young dm a new dm i've only i've only dm'd a few times but oh my gosh it's so exciting when i look okay the the honestly honestly the number one thing i love about ucla so far is everybody's a little nerd yes I think maybe that's what I liked about it, too. <laughs> now that you actually put it in those words, it is a little bit. There's a Everybody lot of a there's a lot of nerd I in have, the best way. Absolutely. Everybody's a nerd for specific Something. things. Yeah. But like the the people that I have found that I've spent my past couple quarters with huge nerds. And I love it. Yeah, because I, I equate nerd and nerddom to passion. That's that's why I never think of it as a pejorative. Totally. I never think of it as a dig because I'm like, no, you love, love something. You are passionate about something. And I think that usually when the rubber hits the road, it turns into creative action somehow. Yes. Like it usually comes to some kind of making. If you love something that much, you usually got to make something. So it's like there wants to be some totally. sort of application. This is such a nerdy conversation to begin with. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the amount of conversations I've had with people who are studying linguistics <laughs> is, is insane. Like the, the, the most incredible conversations will just start out of nowhere. And I love that about college and UCLA especially. Is that we're just 
it's we're all a little passionate about stuff. Yeah. And I think when you're then in a space where, you know, thought bombs are sort of hitting left, right, and center because you're you're in an engaged space. Like everyone is there to learn and to expand upon their passions and expand upon like then everyone just like, <laughs> oh, do you know what I heard in this class? No, you know what I heard in this class? Like, that's so cool. It's like, let's go. And we're all taking each other with us. Find find your crowd. And with a school that big, they're there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Last question. Uh, this has been such a delight. Going back to your whole experience, including pandemic grace, junior year, what's something you wish you had better understood about the application process? What did what is something that you wish you sort of knew at the beginning? Or what advice would you give your 17-year-old self now? I think there is a lot of freedom that comes with time management. And on the flip side of that, time for yourself and reflection during the process. And I, I don't recommend this. <laughs> I started writing my personal essays in October and the application was to be turned in in November. <laughs> and that something young people do especially well is procrastinate and get it done. Like we, we bring it, but it is not sustainable in the long run, no matter how appealing it is. And I think I stressed myself out in a time when slowing down would have been really nice because senior year goes by so fast already. I know all of my friends, we, we all kind of dipped from each other first semester because we, we just had so much time we had to spend on application process. Yeah. And I think if I had at least made an effort to like schedule out hours of my day every week, to focus on the application and let it go out of my mind the rest of the time. It would have given more time back to me in the precious hours that I have left. That's great advice. Parceling out that time. Yep. Then it's something, you know, I actually think it's part of my gig when I'm working with clients is, is helping them parcel this out, schedule this out, really lift lift up and get like a bird's eye view of the semester yes. or you know okay this is due in november can we get a draft in september you know like so that you have more time with material cuz i yes. will say especially those essays got to sit on them yeah they have to ruminate it's a creative act like they're they are rarely ready to go in a first or even second pass. Your essays especially. Dig in and allow it to grow and strengthen. That's that's a, that's a great bit of advice. And this is even coming from someone who had a very successful application process. But I, what I hear from that is, oh, I could have etched out more time for myself. I could have strategized the time. Yeah. yeah. That's great. A lot of my senior year was definitely trying desperately to stay in the moment because you're caught between the past and also looking forward. And there's a lot that you're missing right here. Yeah, totally. Oh, Grace, you are just a delight. You're just an absolute beacon of light. Thank you for showing us. It really isn't about what you study or where, but how you apply yourself and mine your own opportunities and experiences to continually move that needle forward. So rock on to you. This is awesome. If people want to get a hold of you and see what you're up to, how might they do that? I know your website that links to your IMDB is gracelu.com. Any other ways to contact you? I'm on Instagram at grace.mlu, and then on Twitter, you can find me at gracemlu. No period. Love it. We'll make sure those go into the episode description so people can can find you. And you you will want to like check out when these gigs get announced, y'all aren't ready. Y'all aren't 
ready. Thank you, Grace. That's another interview episode of the Creative College Journey podcast. We hope this episode with Grace Liu was beneficial to you and want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen. If you're in need of some encouragement, guidance, and inspiration for your college journey and would like to work with Scott, don't hesitate to head to our website, www.creativecollegejourney.com to schedule a free, no-obligation, one-hour consultation to find out the many ways the Creative College Journey can help you on your path. You can also find Scott Barnhart on Instagram at Scott Barnhart. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really does help others find us. And be sure to come back in the coming weeks for more discussions about Creative College admissions, lowering the temperature on the process, and the many industry pathways and transferable skills that a creative education and life can offer. Don't forget, it's not where you go to school, but how you go to school that counts. Thank you. Thank you.